Hello, and welcome to a special mini-series of Kitten Whiskers and Kanye. I'm Audrey Stratton. I'm Carmen Radford. And we're going to kind of shake things up a little bit. We're back with another classic, another Audrey classic. Going to be doing a project for school. This time <laughs> it is for my conflict and communication class. But we all we all love a podcast, so... Uh, this is this is what I'm doing for that, and we're going to be talking about something that we still love. It's still in the vein of Kitten Whiskers and Kanye. Oh, yes. We're going to be talking about the TV series Bob's Burgers and how we can learn about conflict from that. Mm-hmm. So, this is actually something that Carmen and I have bonded over quite a bit. Um, yes. I can't remember. Did you, did you introduce it to me? Is it something that we like discovered together? Um, or... I don't know. It was probably I don't know. I don't think either one of us was it like said you have to watch this show, and then the other one did. I think we both just it, we both were already watching it because it, it just was the show to watch. I don't know. I think yeah. we have equal equal credit in yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's a really delightful show, and honestly, like, I could not be happier about the fact that I got to choose basically whatever I wanted to do to talk about conflict. Bob's Burgers is it for me. Yeah. And I kind of want to talk a little bit about, like, why I am choosing Bob's Burgers. Mm -hmm. Because, like, sitcoms are a staple of American media. There's so many, I mean, it's been... From classics like I Love Lucy and Leave It to Beaver to more modern examples like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and Friends. Like we've (laughs) always had these lighthearted shows that poke fun at the way we handle our interpersonal relationships. And really when it comes down to it, every piece of media we consume revolves around some sort of conflict. And part of what draws people to their favorite shows is the ability to identify themselves in the characters that are in that conflict. Hmm. Yes, there truly is a character for everyone in this show too. Like even if it's not in the main family, I this it really is just so special. Um, and I've tried to suggest this show to a lot of people, and the only people that have said no, I'm not going to watch that, or no, I didn't like that, were people who were already like not into adult cartoons to begin with. Um, I really think it reaches a ton of people. It's got crass-ish humor while still being very sweet and sentimental and like um positive and i i don't i don't know what it is about it it's so special it's punny too like there are just puns packed in every episode visually and yeah absolutely and i agree with you about like there is a character for everybody to me it's special because in a conflict framing each conflict plays out in a different way like personally i don't love shows that a lot of other people really enjoy because i don't like it when the characters are predictable (laughs) like i cannot tell you how many times i've watched the entire first season of a show that someone recommended to me because they were so confident that i would absolutely love it Mm -hmm. and i gave up after the season finale because Every episode felt the same to me. Mm -hmm. Like, character A always loves to give the silent treatment, and character B always has an existential crisis, Mm -hmm. and character C always ends up shouting about something that seems dumb to everybody else but is important (laughs) to them, and, like, so on and so forth, right? Yeah. And Bob's Bob's has some some like very mild formula to it, but nowhere near enough where you could guess where it's going. Like it does have the element of restarting at the beginning of every episode. You know, we kind of forget. I I just, you know, that sitcom thing where 
The Simpsons. It starts over. There's, you know, the the town burned down, right. but the next episode, it's fine. Futurama does it too. Bob's Burgers has that kind of, but not enough so that like the characters they stay the same age, just like a sitcom. But like it doesn't have that repetitive um, thing enough so that the characters don't actually learn and grow a little bit, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like they all fit into a certain archetype, but they also have a complex set of like goals and emotions and conflict styles and varying levels of power available to them that it informs how they handle different conflicts and it sticks with them and you know not permanently but just kind of like with human beings like we rarely are ever in conflict that fundamentally changes us right Mm. so i wouldn't say that their choices from episode to episode are like more unpredictable compared to other sitcom characters, but I think that the show does a better job of portraying the complexity of situations and the way that people act in them, like in real life. So that being said, we're going to spend the next few mini-episodes talking about different aspects of conflict and apply it to some of our favorite Bob's Burgers episodes. The first one that we're going to start is with interests and goals. And you can kind of argue that like the next episode we're going to talk about is about emotion, and you can kind of argue that emotion is where conflict starts but I think that it's a stronger argument that conflict starts because of interests and goals that interfere with each other Um, we can have different goals in various scenarios that don't interfere with each other at all which is like awesome that is how most of life is like I have my set of daily goals and Mm -hmm. Carmen has her set of daily goals and our daily goals almost never intersect with each other yeah right (laughs) yes (laughs) but it's when one person's goals prevent another person's goals from happening that it starts to become a conflict and one thing that I do want to say like here at the top not only for interests and goals but for the entire mini series is that Most conflict is actually an ongoing process that involves lots of discussion and action on the part of the people involved. Um, And hopefully, like, it is all to come to a resolution that fulfills all or part of everyone's interests and goals, but it rarely happens in, like, a vacuum. So, you know, when we talk about conflict, it's really easy to think of like, oh, that argument that I had with my significant other. But like, it's so much more broad than that. Yes, indeed. So to help break down what a person's goals might be to help understand how to resolve conflict, we're actually going to talk a little bit about an acronym. It's TRIP, T-R-I-P. And usually when we are involved in a conflict, our goals fall under one of four areas. The first one, T, is the topic or content. What is it that we want? Like what exactly is our goal that we're we're working towards? Um, This is usually something like asking for a raise, like this is a thing that we want. The second one, R, is relationship. This is who are we to each other? Uh, These are goals that have more to do with like building up relationships with your significant other or with your friends or you know with your coworkers. I stands for identity um, or you can think of like face work. This is like who am I and who I do I want to be in this situation. So conflict that revolves around identity goals can be like well 
I consider myself to be a really good student. I consider myself to be well-educated in this topic. And, you know, somebody is trying to undermine my, my knowledge and my credentials. The last one is P, process. And this is like, what process will we use to communicate with each other? This one doesn't come up very often, but it does still exist. This is like, if you have a conflict of, you know, do you feel like you are getting enough talking time with a relationship? Do you feel like a, you know, if you have a roommate, is the process that you have set up for taking care of chores, is that working for everybody? And are you communicating that well with everybody else? Not every conflict is going to cover all four aspects of the TRIP acronym, and usually one aspect of TRIP is going to be more important than the others. So like, going back to the very first example, if you want to ask for a raise at work, the topic is going to be, I want to earn more money. And that's going to be the most important, while your identity, which is, I'm a good worker, Mm -hmm. might be secondary, and your relationship with your boss might be tertiary. There isn't even really a process goal here other than like going to your boss and talking to them. And that's like not even really a goal. That's just like a necessary step mm-hmm. towards getting this raise, right? Mm-hmm. So is this is this tracking so far? It is. Um, so the relationship thing, I would expect that the relationship between a boss and a uh, employee would be a little bit bigger because the relationship affects so much of the language you would use. But I guess I'm thinking a little too hard about it. Like, it's not about, um, like, it's not, I, if, if it was a relationship-centered conflict, it would be more about, like, conflict that is directly because of a relationship in a certain, I, I don't know. I guess I'm having a hard time understanding that part, but maybe it will become clear. Yeah, so, no, that's that's a good question, and I'm happy to clarify. What it would be is, like, if your goal is to be on your boss's good side. Oh, um, I see. Yeah. And so how, yeah. A lot of, a lot of these goals do have overlap with each other, but in this example, the primary is like, I want to earn more money. And Mm -hmm. in order to be able to ask for the raise, you might need to have a good relationship with your boss, but that's not your primary goal. Ideally, you know, you should be able to prove that you're a good worker, even if maybe you have a very neutral relationship with your boss. You know, in an an ideal world, you don't have to be best friends with your boss to prove that you deserve a raise. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. Goals can sometimes be masquerading around as each other. And we see this all the time when someone starts a conflict over one goal, but their interests actually fall under a different goal entirely. This happens a lot in like marriages and intimate partnerships where one person might start an argument over like, hey... I feel like I do the dishes more than you do. And I've asked you to do the dishes and you haven't ever done them. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it's falling under process or topic, but really what they're upset about is feeling like their partner doesn't listen to them or care about helping them out, Mm -hmm. which is actually relational. Mm -hmm. So I anticipate um, this um, episode we're going to talk about in a sec is probably relational and maybe identity focused. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. Yeah, so that is exactly right. And we're also going to be talking in this episode about how goals also usually change throughout conflict. And it's a natural result of any sort of interpersonal interaction. There is a 
really great blog post on Tulane University's social work, like school of social work website, um, which I'll link to in the show notes about social exchange theory. Um, this is like a psychological, like social theory that states that every relationship is built upon an exchange of needs. We evaluate what we can gain from a relationship with someone. We weigh the costs and benefits of pursuing that relationship. And we also understand that in order to take advantage of what that relationship can give us, we are going to have to provide something in return. Using this theory, researchers Lau and Cobb proposed a model where all our relationships fall on one point of a spectrum with formal relationships on one side and close relationships on the other. The way that we adjust our goals depends on where our relationships fall on that spectrum. So if you're on the end where you're in a more formal relationship, like with a professor or boss or coworker, your goals are going to change in a more topic or process related way, while a relationship that falls on the close end of the spectrum, like you know familial or friendships relationship, they are going to have goals that end up in the realm of like relationship or identity. So we're kind of like walking in a sort of gray area here, like goals can be masquerading as each other, sometimes they can change. And we're kind of going to see how this episode kind of threads that needle and how we can understand what these goals are and how they are masquerading as each other and how they actually change over the episode as well. So Carmen has so graciously agreed to do the episode summary and we'll get into it. Which episode are we going to talk about? We are talking about the amazing season two finale of Bob's Burgers. It is called Beef Squatch. Bob has an opportunity to um, audition for a little segment in a news show, um, a cooking segment. Linda convinces him to do it. He's initially a little bit worried, but he gets very excited about the exposure eventually. Well, at some point, Gene does appear in the video. He kind of, <laughs> what, does he just initially want to photobomb it with his funny little Sasquatch mask? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, so he acts like the typical, like, preteen, right? Yeah. He has this brand new toy. It makes him look funny. He's like, this is my identity now, mm-hmm. is the guy that wears this Sasquatch yeah. mask. This is me now. And... <laughs> Yeah, there's a whole, like, the 15-second scene where he says, this is me now, wearing multiple um, outfits, Various costumes, yep, that's why he's my favorite. (laughs) He's he's so good. And he just wants the attention, so Linda is filming this audition tape, and Bob is just being Bob, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he is such a kind person who is just really devoted to his craft. Yeah. And he just wants to show how to make a fancy burger with caramelized onions on it. And And what does Gene do? Gene enters with his Sasquatch mask and his hamburger costume and just kind of throws the whole thing for a loop and just acts crazy and throws food everywhere. And it's not very funny to anyone else, but I mean... (laughs) <laughs> apparently it is he's they send this audition tape in and they say that they'll take bob they want him to do a cooking segment but they won't do it without beef squatch they won't and so bob agrees because he thinks that the coverage alone is fine even if it's not exactly what he wanted and so he brings gene along and it just starts turning into um i won't call it what i want it to uh 
<laughs> a clown fiesta. A clown fiesta. Yeah, where Bob is trying to maintain control of the show. He's trying to maintain integrity and trying to show something that, yes, he's very passionate about. He wants the show to be about his food. But um, Gene is there also doing what he was asked to do to be in that show and to blow it all up and to throw food and to stuff it in his face and go, nom, 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 I'm beef squatch, you know? And, um... It's unfortunate because Bob is, yeah, Bob is really upset that it can't be what he wants. And Gene is being consistent, like constantly like berated by Bob to stop doing that. And he's like, but that's why we got on the show, you know? Um, and yeah, I, the, the other characters, Linda is very happy to take advantage of her proximity to, um, local fame. And so she, she convinces Bob to keep doing it despite him not wanting to keep doing it because she loves being friends with the newscasters and being close to that glam life if that's what you want to call it and similarly um, Tina gets taken advantage by a boy who wants to be her boyfriend so that he can also get close to the, uh, Pam the 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 lead anchor and so there are several moments of conflict going on here yep. And honestly, this is one thing that I really do like about modern sitcoms, just kind of as an aside. Um, modern sitcoms do a really good job of introducing multiple storylines. Yes, the A plot It's not something and that you plot. see. Yeah, it's not something that you see in a lot of older sitcoms. And it's not to say that, like, don't ever watch I Love Lucy or, like, I Love Lucy is worse. Mm -hmm. But there's definitely usually just a single focus of those older sitcom episodes mm -hmm. compared to like more modern sitcoms okay so we've got the like basic episode summary we're going to get a little bit deeper into what exactly happened and what some of these interesting goals are so primarily for the a plot we do have bob and gene and we've covered like what they're doing but their interesting goals i think are the most interesting throughout this episode because they do shift right yeah. at the beginning of the episode bob wants to mostly just bring some attention to what he likes to do and bring some more business to the restaurant yes gene as i mentioned is just a very stereotypical preteen like all he really wants is attention yep and he's going to do it in the worst way possible which is step in front of the camera be a little crude right Yes. Uh, make a mess. I will and... say, I, I do think his the attention he asks for at the beginning is th the attention from the camera and the audience. And I think by the end, he is still at his interest is still attention, but it gets a lot more specific. Um, and it, it like shifts, you know. So, I I agree because as this conflict goes on, originally they were just supposed to do like one episode. It was going to be a rotating segment with different people who come in and do different kind of cooking. And the producers of the show liked Beef Squatch, this character, so much that they were like, no, like we're going to bring you back next week and the week after, and it's going to be a permanent segment. And every single week, Bob is just trying to show off a different burger. He does these gourmet burgers. At one point, he tries to make like a caprese burger, and... He, like, barely gets into it before Gene comes up in his beef squash costume, grabs the burger, stuffs it in his mouth, and makes steals a mess. Steals the show, right? yep. He just steals the show. And as time goes on, Bob and Gene start actually trying to sabotage each other. Because they really just don't want the other person 
to have their goals met. Yeah. Right. Which is ironic because that's the, that's the combination that got attention in the first place. Like they both want their (laughs) own thing, but they wouldn't have gotten the show if they were on their own. It is a result of their, yeah. On screen chemistry. If you want to be so weird as to call it that, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah. So Bob's goal is no longer, I want to show off this thing that I can do. It's how can I bring Jean down? And Jean is the same way. It's no longer how can I have all the attention. It's how can I make Bob look stupid. So these goals, which at the beginning were mostly like topic and identity, topic being Bob wanted to show off new recipes and Jean's identity as a comedian, right? Like mm-hmm. as a little little imp. Uh, turns into this relationship of basically rivalry. And by the end of the episode, we see how this rivalry is actually really, really toxic. The segments are no longer about cooking and about beef squatch, but about how these two are trying to one-up each other. And we'll talk a little bit about how that actually resolves when we get to Linda's interests and goals, because it's really her action that kind of resolves everything. Yeah, and it's a um, very it's a, <laughs> it's a very dire action. It was a last resort for sure. She did it for the family. She did it for the family. We did mention that there is Tina who has a conflict as kind of the B plot in this episode. Tina is a 13-year-old boy crazy, you know, teenage girl who really she just she she likes butts, she wants to kiss boys, and she knows that in order to have those two things, she has to have a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of like the ongoing goal that she has throughout the entire series. Yes. While she is watching one of these segments being taped and, and being aired, she's sitting in the audience, and she sits next to a boy who's about her age. And this boy has his own goals, which as Carmen mentioned before, is to meet one of the co-hosts, the female co-host of this morning show that they're on. And he is a wild creep about it. Like (laughs) any normal person would just be like, ew, get away from me. But But Tina Tina is like so tunnel visioned on her own goal that she doesn't see this like giant red flag for what it is. Indeed. So I wanted to bring this up and kind of ask, like, is there an actual conflict here? Um, Do these goals interfere with each other? It's interesting because you'd think like, you'd think, okay, on on a very superficial level, they can both get what they want, essentially, um, if like without understanding the ulterior motives of the other. Like there's there's really no ulterior motive of Tina. But I mean... You think on a surface, Tina can get what she wants. This boy is willing to do anything to get closer to Pam. So she can kiss this boy. She can slap his butt all she wants. And he and she can get what she wants, kind of. And he'll get to meet Pam. But I mean, there's just this underlying um, ickiness about it all because Tina isn't aware that she's being used. And she she wouldn't want that in a boyfriend, you know? She wants a real boyfriend, not just something to touch. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, and so I think this is a really interesting scenario of topic, where her topic is like, I want to kiss a boy, turns into like, 
almost an identity sort of thing. Like, is she the kind of person that is going to allow herself to have a boyfriend who doesn't really care about her? Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I think that maybe this isn't like a true like black and white conflict, but I think that there are some goals and interests in, in play here that kind of do still apply to resolving what happens. And this kind of fizzles out on its own. This kid, his name is Nathan. He ends up dressing up like her, like Tina, so that he can get backstage and ends up harassing Pam and gets thrown out. So not any sort of like true conflict resolution, but it is still interesting to watch how those goals, especially with Tina, do change over the episode. Mm-hmm. Now, the last one we're going to talk about is Linda. She's the mom and she's Bob's wife. And she is the one that initially wants to do the show. She's the one that says, oh my gosh, Bob, like we have to send in an audition tape. And she's really excited about it. She loves this idea of like, you know, rubbing elbows with celebrities, Mm -hmm. even though they're just like (laughs) local TV station celebrities. But that's also really excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. She's interested in rubbing elbows. But from the beginning or at the beginning, there is at least a mixture of her desire for Bob to like be happy too. like I think she knows Bob's while Jean's while Jean's series wide goal is attention. Bob's series wide goal is recognition and I think that Linda tries to facilitate that at the beginning, but she gets a little lost in the, in the hullabaloo. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I would argue that at the beginning of this episode, she has primarily identity goals. I think mm-hmm. that she identifies as like a supporting wife, a supporting mother, and also as somebody who does know famous people. Like, yeah. It's not really a relationship in that, like, she doesn't build up relationships, not meaningful ones with these famous people. But, you know, she can say, like, I am one of one of the elite, you know? Yes. And so she actually, I think, of everybody in this episode kind of clings to that goal the longest until pretty much the very end of the episode. Her goal shifts and, and morphs from being this identity of you know, the the spouse to this famous person, somebody who knows famous people, to a relationship. What is her relationship with her family? And she recognizes that it's not what she wants it to be anymore. She doesn't want to be just somebody who stands by while she watches the people that she loves fight with each other. And the very, very last scene has Bob and Jean physically fighting with each other. Mm-hmm. It is... It, it reaches a head that, like, she recognizes as being out of control and one that has to have drastic measures taken in order to pull it back. Yeah, so she kind of snaps out of it. She sees them fighting, and for some reason that's that that's kind of what brings her to realize that they've been fighting this whole time. And it's not what she wants. She wants to, you know, she she wants her family to be happy, and she wants to be the person that can facilitate that happiness so she goes in front of the camera and goes full scorched earth and flashes the camera so that they have no choice but to cut the segment because of you know um, of graphic, graphic imagery <laughs> so she really <laughs> takes she really she really takes a bullet and uh has a very really relishes her time on screen at the same time so 
as Linda mm-hmm. would. As Linda only as, could. <laughs> as only Linda could. Correct. And this is another interesting example of like, is this an actual conflict? And if so, like, how how do we see how this resolves? And this is a, an interesting one because it's not so much interpersonal as it is a conflict with like the self and with society. Mm. And I'm not going to get super meta on here. I'm not going to get super philosophical because the focus mostly is on interpersonal conflict, at least what we're trying to cover here. But I think it is important to acknowledge that sometimes we do have that inner conflict that we need to address and we need to ask who am I in conflict with and how do I resolve this? Because a lot of these concepts do have overlap with each other. So those are some of the basics of interesting goals as far as Bob's Burgers go, but also like... As we mentioned, we can all kind of see ourselves in some of these characters and learn a little bit from them. Next episode is going to be talking about emotions and conflict. Yes, and um, we had mentioned before Tina's series-long goal of having a boyfriend. Um, There are obviously a lot of feelings attached with that. And for Tina, being uh, out, looking pretty outwardly unemotional is actually probably the most complex emotional one, you know, in the show. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll talk about Tina and her conflict in the next episode. Um, Bob, actually. Yay. All right. <laughs> I will see you next episode. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>